This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen? Isn't it? Isn't it? It's a great day in the Lord. I'm glad to be alive. I'm glad you're all here. And I'm very thankful that you are all here. Amen? Amen. God is so good. Um, is there anybody in here that hasn't received the prophecies that, that were given when Nathan was here? Um, if you haven't, raise your hand. I don't, I don't know if Natalie, did you get those? The prophecies? Yeah. There was a couple people. I think there should be some back there on that table yet. I was just going to, you know, we sing the one, but there was the other one that went out as well. And I don't know which one it was in, but there was, I think it was Nathan's, that, you know, he, he shared, the Lord shared that there was, um, uh, there was, a, it would appear, something like this, this is my word, it would appear that nothing has changed. Do you remember that part? Have you read it enough to know? It would appear, after he gave the word about, you know, um, uh, things happening in the church, and then it said, he said, it would appear as nothing has happened. And then all of a sudden, there would be a flood like that. Remember that? Okay, so we're not, <laughs> I, I'm not moved because it bears witness with me. It bears witness with me, that, that prophecy. And you know, when prophecy is given to you or a word from the Lord is given to you, when it's given to you, you should... Um, it, it should already. It should bear witness on the inside of you. You understand that? It should bear witness. If it doesn't bear witness with you, you set it on the shelf until it does. Okay? You keep doing what you know to do. If it's if it's not a confirmation to you, if the word that came to you is not a confirmation to you, then you're not obligated to try to perform that word. Yes, kids, you can go quietly. <laughs> They needed to hear about prophecy, didn't you? Wyatt, didn't you need to hear about prophecy? <laughs> yep, he'll probably walk in that, I'm sure. We all should be walking in prophecy, actually. Anyway, um, anyway, um, so that, that, that word of prophecy that comes to us should always bear witness on the inside. Amen? It should always bring um, a, a comfort and an and a, oh. Anyway, it's comfort, <laughs> one of them. There's a few more of it that talks about with prophecy. But anyway, it should always bear witness with you. And if it doesn't, you just leave it. You leave it and go on and do what God's called you to do. Keep doing that. And it may be down the road that that, that prophecy will ring and you'll be in a place where it's time for that to bear witness with you on your inner man. So I just wanted to encourage you in that, that that testimony, um, you know, that it will appear that there is nothing changed. But I know on the inside of me, God's doing a, a lot right now, even though we can't see it. He's doing a lot. He's doing a lot in our country as well, and we're not we're not moved by we're not moved at all by what we see going on in our country. We're going to continue to confess what we believe in our heart. We're going to confess it out of our mouth. Okay, that's that's where we're at. We believe in our heart, and we confess with our mouth. It doesn't matter if it's about you, if you're confessing right things about you, like I, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. If you're confessing right things about your children, if you're confessing right things about your marriage, if you're confessing right things about your family, if you're confessing right things about your church, if you're confessing right things about the country, it's what you believe in your heart 
and you speak with your mouth. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. It's Romans 10, 9 and 10. That's how people get born again. They believe in their heart that Jesus died on the cross for them. They believe that in their heart. Believe it. It's a heart confession. It's not a mind thing. It's not a mind thing. You believe it in your heart. You confess it with your mouth and you are saved. It's the same. The confession continues. It continues because the word saved means you're healed. You're delivered from fear. You're delivered from pornography. You're delivered from, um, uh, you name it. You're delivered because Jesus bore that on the cross in your place. He took it from you. He put it on himself and he died on the cross. He carried that away from you so that you don't have to carry it. If you are carrying those things and you're doing it, it's wrong. It's wrong. We have a carefree life. We have a life of victory. Is that right? That's what we have. And if you're not walking in that, it's time to figure out why you aren't. Because we should be walking in that as a believer, as a born-again believer, spirit-filled believer. A spirit-filled believer has got the power then to go with it. But a born-again believer should be walking in that. A born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christian should be walking in that. Amen? You should be walking in that. Now, I can tell you with my life, there was <laughs> things that went like this, you know, which we all, you know, you, you all figure that out. But I, I will have to say, my life has, is, is, is very steadfast in the fact that I have victory in every area of my life. I'm not going to confess anything else. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so if cares and anxieties get you weighted down, if fears torment you, Whatever it is, cast it on the one who can carry it. It's not yours to carry. It is not yours to carry. It is not yours to carry. And in letting go of all of that, you experience such a freedom, such a joy. The fruit of the Spirit can rise up out of you because you don't carry the care he does. Does that make sense? It makes sense. That's where we want to be. We want to be in that place of carefree uh, joy and peace and, 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 and love, walking in his love, being an example. Because you see that example that you are, the example that you are, people are going to notice that. What's different about you? Why are you not down in the dumps? What's different about you? That's, that's where we're at, okay? Okay, so today I had this... <laughs> I was up, I, I always get up at five on Sunday mornings, and then that kind of filters through the rest of the week. I'm up early in the mornings, but um, anyway, I was, I was going over a whole bunch of scripture verses, and even yesterday after we got home, and uh, I was just going through a lot of scripture verses concerning what we were doing, and uh, writing them down, getting myself organized. Even when I got here, I said, Ron, I, I got to do this and this, and then get myself organized, my message. I no more sat down in that chair and he said, I heard a phrase. And I'm going, Lord, are we changing the message now? And so we did. We changed the message. And, and, and the, the thing that I heard, and I, you don't have to raise your hands, <laughs> but the thing I heard is, how do you walk in love? How do you walk in love? How do you walk in love? 
And I'm going, Lord, is that what we're talking about today? How do, how do I walk in love? How do I walk in love? How do you? Well, see, it's important that we get a background of where love comes from. Do you know where love comes from? <laughs> okay, let's go, to, let's go to 1 John 4, please. And while you're getting to 1 John 4, I just, just um, I jotted a few things down that came to me this morning. If you're struggling to share your testimony, if you're struggling to share Jesus or you're a little concerned about sharing Jesus with people, just share your testimony. You want to share what's real to you, okay? You don't want to get a bunch of head knowledge and try to spew that out to somebody about the Lord. They won't, know, they won't understand anything. But if they share, the, if you share the life and the testimony that you've experienced because you accepted Jesus as Lord, that's what they want to hear. Because on those words that you speak when you share your testimony, those words carry life. You understand what I'm saying? If you picture your words, you know, we've been talking about words a lot the last couple of Sundays, but if you picture your words in a container, Dick always used to talk about words being in a container, if you remember that or not. But picture those words, and those words that you speak are going over here to sit in Craig's lap, or they're going over here to tickle your ears, or they're going over here. These words of life are being carried, or words of love are being carried to everybody that you talk to. Amen? Not only are you demonstrating it by how you act in a situation, but you're, you're, um, you're, you're speaking it out at the same time. Okay, First John 4. And we're going to spend a little bit of time. We're going to kind of go back and forth. So if you want to mark this, you can mark it. But First uh, John 4, 7. Yeah. Now, walking in, walking in love doesn't mean you compromise your stand. Um, let me see if I can think of a good example. Walking in love doesn't mean like, okay, um, I, I worked at Fisher's for quite some time, and, and you can really get an earful of a lot of garbage. You know what I'm saying? Garbage, people talk negative, people talk down other people, people gossip in your ear about this one just because they looked funny that day. I mean, you get a lot of garbage in your ear. And so you have to maintain a place of walking in love no matter who's talking to you. You understand what I'm saying? And so you can't compromise. If you go over here and start gossiping about this person that looked funny with this person, are you compromising your love walk? Yeah, you are. You're compromising your love walk. And plus, you're in a place of sin anyway. And so, so uh, it's really important that we, that we um, don't compromise our love walk. We don't do that. Because that's not going to be an example to people about who, who Jesus is in your life. Okay, First John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God, and knows God. Knows God, they have a relationship with God, okay? Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If you're not in love, then I would question whether you're born again. Yeah, isn't that what it says? Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God or has a relationship with God. Verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God. 
That's pretty clear, isn't it? If you don't love, you don't know God. For God is love. So if you're spending time in a relationship with God, don't you think that love is going to, you're going to spend time loving him and he's going to love you and that love's just going to get manifesting more and more on you when you spend time with him. You, you, you know, you're, you're not going to want to leave his presence when you spend time with him. It's going to change you. It's going to change you. So I would encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you don't know who he is in your life and how he sees you, then I would encourage you to get busy getting a relationship with the Lord because that's where your love is going to manifest, come from. Amen? Okay, so, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And everyone loves is born of God and knows God. To me, this is really clear. In verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9, by this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Okay, so we can look at John 3.16. (laughs) You probably all can quote that, right? I hope you can. (laughs) We, We probably start learning that scripture verse when we're in children's church. Actually, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Everlasting life. So God did that. He sent his, this, he sent his son so that we can live forever. He loves you that much. See, that scripture verse, if you just meditate on that scripture verse of how much God loves you, he loves you so much that he died just for you by sending his son. I mean, he sent his son to die just for you. Amen? Okay, so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. So by this, the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Okay, then Acts 17, 28. Can you turn there, please? Acts 17, 28. So, and again, this is, um, for in him, this is the in Christ position. Remember, we've been talking about in Christ. In him, and how do we get in Christ? How do we get in him? How do we get in him? By accepting Jesus as Lord. The minute you accept Jesus as Lord, you step into the in Christ position. In Christ. That's be... Okay, wait a minute. Let's go. And he wants to... Hold your hand there in Acts 17. And go to 2 Corinthians, please. 517. 517. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. So if you have accepted Jesus as Lord, if you have, then old things have passed away. New things have come. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're a brand new species. Brand new. That's who you are. You're brand new. Okay, so um, we'll probably come back to that, but not right this minute. Um, so anyway, it, it, in Acts, then, it talks about Acts seventeen twenty eight that we live 
For in him we live and move and exist or have our being, I think King James says. In him we live and move and have our being. So, so when you accept Jesus as Lord, it's, it's probably the best thing that you could ever do, right? Amen? It's the best thing. It's not only eternal life that you have, but you have life here right now on this earth. You have victory right now here on this earth. You have healing right now here on this earth. You don't have to get the healing. The healing has already been given to you in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You don't have to get free from fear. You've already been set free from fear by Jesus being nailed to the cross. Amen? Amen. He has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. It's, it's all been given to you. It's all been given to you. And you remember we talked about the uh, we talked about possessing uh, the promises. We we have all these promises in the Word of God, and he, they've been given to us. They've been given to us, but we need to possess them. They, we make them ours. We actually walk them out. We confess them out. We believe them out. You know what I'm saying? We believe that by his stripes I was healed. And that's my confession. By his stripes I am healed. Amen? That's my confession. That's our all, that's our, our, all of our confessions. That's where we line up. We line ourselves up. And the reason we can say that is because we're in Christ. We're in Christ. Just like we we're just reading here in Acts. We live and move and have our being in him. In him, we live and move and have our being in him. So how do we walk in love? How do we walk in love? Because we're in Christ, we're in him and he's in us. We abide in him and he abides in us. So the love of God in Romans 5, 5 says it's been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. It's been shed abroad we have love. We not only have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, but we have the love of God that's already been shed abroad in our heart. The thing, um, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, um, I believe it is. The fruit of the Spirit, um, well, love, love, is, I think is first, but love, joy, peace, all of those, you, you know, they're all resident within you. You can access them anytime you want to. You can choose to be joyful anytime you want to. You can choose to be in love with somebody that just got done slapping you across the face. You can choose to be that way. Now, I'm not saying that's that's uh, should be a um, an okay thing. There needs to be something else dealt with there. But you can choose to forgive. You can choose to walk in love. You can choose to have joy. You can choose to be in peace. Those are the fruit of the Spirit that have already been resident, are already in us. We have been given everything, it says. We better look at that. Let's look at that. It came later in my, but uh, if that's in uh, second, second Peter, please. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So the more we know about God, the more grace and peace are going to be are going to be added to us, amen? Multiplied or added to us. We're going to walk in more grace. We're going to walk in more peace the more we know or have a relationship with God. Okay, and then verse 3, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory 
and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. See, the promises have been given to us, but it's, it's us possessing them and putting them to work. Then they, we become partakers of that divine nature. And the divine nature is what? Love, joy, peace, healing, wholeness, all of that. And everything we've been given. Everybody with me? Okay. Okay. So we have been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. So we have the promises of God. And you know, it's like I said a couple of weeks ago, most people, all they know to do is to stand on the promises. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, how many times have you seen a, a minister of the gospel put the Bible down? I can, who was it? Was it, I don't know which one it was. Did they put the Bible down and stood on the promises of God? Well, see, it's more than that. The promises of God have been given to every one of us to put them to work in our life so that we can walk in a place of victory and wholeness, in a place of healing, freedom from fear, freedom, freedom from torment. It's not difficult. It's not hard. You just have to know that you have been born again and that you have accepted Jesus as Lord, and you're in that in Christ position. Everything we do is out of in Christ. We live and move and have our being out of that in Christ position. That makes sense? Everybody got that? It's in Christ. And if you go through your Bible and start marking in Christ places in your Bible, and especially in the New Testament, excuse me, you can't be, you, you can't be in Christ before the New Testament. But anyway... So, so if you start going through, you see all kinds of in Christ, through Christ. Uh, um, um, well, there's other, other areas. But anyway, it's that in Christ position, and you have to hold that position. You can't just let your flesh run you around. See, our, 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 our spirit man is, the dominant, is in the dominant position. Our spirit man should be dominant. And tell the flesh what to do. But so much of the church, the flesh is telling your spirit man what to do. Or the spirit man is just null and void. You know what I mean? And so so the church needs to be walking in a dominant spirit man position. And instead of, instead of letting the flesh. Now, if, if you miss it and you sin, we've talked about this many times. If you sin, you say, Father, forgive me. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I repent for the actions and then receive that forgiveness and receive that cleansing and get back into your right standing position. People wonder why, and, and this is not always the case. Sometimes there's an enemy attack, but people wonder why you get your foot out there in the wrong place. You get your foot in a place where, where you're in sin. You step out of that area of love. Do you know if you're out of love, you're in sin? Do you know that? If you're out of love, you're in sin? What are we in if we're not in love? We're in strife, strife, unforgiveness. If, if, we're, if we're not in love. And so those areas are all sin areas and they need to be dealt with because we are supposed to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we're supposed to stand in a place of righteousness so that everything that God has given to us that pertains to life and godliness, we, we are able to stand on those promises and call those things into manifestation. Amen? 
it's not as hard as it sounds, but we do have a we do have a way out. Um, okay, so then just go on over. Well, we haven't even finished this. My goodness, First John four. Um, in verse 10, let's pick up with verse 10. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Don't you think that's important in the love walk? See, it's, it's, it's the love, the love and the unity and the one accord factor that's going to bring in the glory. Does that make sense? It's that walking in one accord, see, and we want, we want the glory. Do you know what? If we want the glory, do you know what's going to happen? The glory is going to cause miracles. All kinds of stuff is going to start manifesting. But see, we have to have a unity of love and one accord. You can't have strife with your neighbor. You can't talk against this person over here. And there be love and unity and one accord in the church. You understand what I'm saying? If if there are thoughts that come, oh, I don't like that person. They dressed funny today. <laughs> it's a private joke for me. Anyway, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> don't tell anybody I dressed funny. Not today. I didn't. No, I'm okay today. <laughs> but anyway, so so oh, where were we now? Where were we going? Unity, yes, unity. Um, uh, if, if you're if you're in strife with somebody over here that because they dress funny in your thought life, you think that, hey man, that's sin too. Get rid of it. All it's going to do is going to build a wall up between you and that person. Even your thought life does that. That makes sense. I mean, these are things that these are fundamental things that I think should help everybody. When you recognize there's, and you know when there's a wall between you and somebody else. You know that. You know that. Whose job is it to knock it down? You. Yeah, our job. Our job. Now, you can deal with it in the spirit realm in intercession and prayer. And then if you do that in intercession and prayer, when once you recognize it, you deal with it in intercession and prayer. But then... You have to still walk it out. Whatever's done in intercession prayer still has to be walked out in the natural. I mean, I mentioned this before. You still have to walk it out. So if you're breaking the power of strife off of, of an individual, commanding the walls to come down, whatever else the Lord shows you, bitterness, resentment, whatever else he shows you, then you're still going to have to walk it, step it out so that it's not... It's not um, I mean, otherwise, it will just erect itself back up. Somebody has to make a move to make a difference in the relationship. Somebody has to make a move, okay? Somebody has to do that. Otherwise, if no move is made, what do we do? <laughs> we, can't, we, we command the wall to come down again. We command strife to go, fear to go, whatever, whatever you pick up in the spirit realm. Now, you do the praying, and then you have to walk it out. You have to walk it out. But you know what stops us the most from walking it out is fear. And fear is a nothing. It is a nothing. It is a nothing. Fear is nothing. You know what? You know what? Most of the time the enemy will throw up that fear to get you not to walk it out because there's a blessing on the other side. 
And if you can remember there's a blessing on the other side, then you're going to want to walk that out. And if you can remember that so that the enemy doesn't tell you, oh, that's too fearful. Oh, that's going to hurt. Don't, don't go there. Don't do that, you know. That's what he's going to tell you. He don't want reconciliation. He don't want love flowing in the body of Christ. He don't want peace in your home. No. He wants division and strife and discord. That's his MO. Okay, okay back over here. Um, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's look at Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, and I believe that I probably can quote that one, but I think it's important we turn to these areas and look at them. Uh, it helps us remember where they are in the Word. That's why I haven't changed my Bible. <laughs> That's why I haven't changed. Oh, um, Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. <laughs> you know, it's a it's 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 okay to have fun in church. It's not a stiff place. It's not a yeah. Chapter 22, 39 in Matthew. um, There's two commandments given. You know, the the, um, law has all been wiped away. The law is no more. It's all been wiped away. Jesus died on the cross and thing that he come, he said, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. That's and then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And see, that's so telling. If you have trouble loving your neighbor, then you really don't love yourself. You understand that? If you have trouble loving your neighbor, I mean, it, that's what it says here, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't love your neighbor, you're not doing a very good job of loving yourself. And see, again, you are worthy to be loved. Jesus paid a price for you on the cross. And and he put you in that in Christ position that is a blessing. And you are worthy. You are worthy to be loved. God loves you. He has good things for you. He, you are worthy to be loved. Amen? Okay, so, so uh, let's go on with verse 12 then. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Amen? So if we're loving one another, God's love is in us and it's perfecting. It makes me think of, you know, when they wrote a rooter, rooter, the sewer. (laughs) Rotor, rooter. Okay, now you guys try that. Rotor, rooter, the sewer. (laughs) Do they even rotor, rooter anymore? They do, don't they? (laughs) Rotor, rooter, the sewer. Okay, so... So it makes me think of that when love is when love is in, in us and we're loving God and He's loving us and we're walking in love. That that love is rotorooting all that junk out, you know, because we've made a choice. You know, we've talked about choice so much. We've made a choice to walk in love, and when you make a choice to walk in love, you give that dominant position in your life, causing the little rotorooters to work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think the Lord's being kind of funny today, I suppose. Anyway, <laughs> okay, so by thir- 13, verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed 
the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. I, I would encourage you, this is so, so good about the love of God and, and abiding in us. Take time to read this yourself today, or maybe every morning. Verse 17, by this love is perfected. See, that's what I was just talking about. By knowing that, love has been perfected in us. Amen? By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love. So if you're walking in any kind of fear, there isn't love, right? Okay. So um, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. That's not Roto-Rooters <laughs> working. Perfect love casts out fear, okay? Because fear involves punishment. Remember, we just talked about that. We, we become fearful. Uh, you know, I, I experienced that. I knew that somebody had talked against me. And uh, so, so um, this is years back. And anyway, I run into them in the grocery store. I saw them before they saw me. So I would run to the other aisle and get out of their way so I didn't have to confront that. That was fear, wasn't it? So I didn't have to confront that. But you know what? I knew that that wasn't right. Perfect love casts out fear. And fear was not the way I needed to go. So I had to start confronting that, you know. And so it's not, it's not my problem anymore. I confront them. It's their problem. Okay? Okay, so, so we love, verse 19, we love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hate, hates your brother or his brother, and that's not only your sibling, but that's your brother in the Lord, he is a liar for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That's real telling right there, too. It's along with verse 7. You know, you don't have a relationship. Verse 21, And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Again, going back to love, you know, you love your neighbor as yourself. And I want to go over here to verse chapter 5, just the first three verses here. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Again, that that adds right on to about loving your neighbor as yourself. See, everybody that's born of God, whoever loves the father loves the child. So if you love God yourself and you're working with somebody that's hard to love, but they are born again, it's your job. You love them. You love them. Whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, whom when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Walking in love is not burdensome. You know what makes it burdensome? <laughs> That's a long word again, too. You know what makes it you know what makes it burdensome or hard to do? It's not obeying his commandment. That makes it hard when we're not walking in love. When we choose to not love our, our neighbors ourselves. When we choose to do that, that's a commandment. And that's why it becomes burdensome. Okay. All right. So, so that's a good description of who God is, what God expects of you, how you can get there, and what that's all about. Okay. Um, just look, look at Romans 5, 5 for a minute here. Um, and that just confirms the one scripture verse we just read in that First John 4. Romans 5, 5. 
this talks about, this is just, I've already used this scripture verse, but uh, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within, has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So the Holy Spirit, you know, was given to us, and, and so love was given to us, and um, along with everything else pertaining to life and godliness. Then look over here at First John. I'm sorry, we got to go back over to that First John. Um, this will help a little bit too. First John five. First John five um, twelve. Uh, he who has the Son. Wait, I'm going to back up here. I'm going to back up to ten. The one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne concerning his Son. And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Okay? Now, verse 12 is where we're going. He who has the Son, you have the Son if you are born again. He who has the Son has life. Do you remember when I minister a lot to people, I will command the life of God to flow? That's why I do that, because they have the life of God in them. Okay? Or I command the life of God to flow. Okay, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Okay? So again, you need to be born again if you're going to experience any kind of freedom, any kind of um, love, any kind of joy, any kind of peace, any kind of um, organization in your home. Somebody need to have their home organized? <laughs> anyway, who has the sun has the life. I mean, if you've got life flowing through you, there's such a joy. There's such a joy. There's such a joy. Oh, man, I'm going to tackle that mess today. I mean, there's such a joy to do it, right? Yeah, say yes. Amen. <laughs> okay, so, all right. Um, okay. Now, let's go. I want to, basically, you've got that. I just gave, have Francis pass out that uh, love chapter. Now, note, if you've got that, can look with somebody uh, on, on that but this is this is my own. This is how I uh, dealt with walking in love, you know, because I didn't want strife in my home. I didn't want strife in my home. And um, anyway, so so I always dealt with me. My job is not to point the finger. Was not to point the finger at my husband, although I wanted to, you know. <laughs> but that was not my job. My job was take care of me. My job was to pray and let God deal with him, right? Okay. My job was to develop my relationship with him. So so the Lord taught me at that time, and I, this that I had Francis hand out, this is, is the amplified love chapter. It's amplified, but it's amplified. I amplified it more. So I wanted to get all of the everything that's involved there. And I've handed these out before, but you know how, you know what happens. A lot of times we leave it stuck somewhere and we don't know where it is after. But I, I wanted you to see this. So what I did when I was, if, if I 
there was an issue or a problem going on, I would look through this. And where am I missing it, Lord? Where am I missing it? Where I would look at it. And I think it's good to read this, but I didn't have this amplified out when I was when I was married. But I've done that since because I think it's so good. We can actually get a full picture of what love is and what love is not. Okay? And and but the one that would I would start going down through there and the one that would trigger it for me when I get to it is love doesn't hold I doesn't hold um this minute. <laughs> love doesn't uh oh. Okay, let's go over here. I I'll just go over here, don't go there. Uh first Corinthians and that's first Corinthians thirteen if you're taking notes. But um uh, does not, it's verse 5, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. That's the one. Doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. That was the one that I had to deal with. So once I come across the one that, that ministered to me, that I knew I had missed it, I repented for it and got peace and, and, and love flowing in my home again. But if you look at this, if you look at this amplified scripture verse, starting with love endures, suffers long. Love is patient, able to accept or tolerate delays. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Anyway, um, love is, is, is um, patient, able to accept and tolerate delays. Isn't that good that it lays that out? Helps you know that, I mean, when you're standing in a grocery line or in your, you're in a car line, it's way long. <laughs> you just have to remember, love is patient. And when you choose to be patient, then it's going to rotor-rooter all those little things out. Okay, love is patient. And it it's accepts and um, suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. <laughs> anyway, if you get annoyed, maybe you stood in line without saying anything, but you were annoyed. <laughs> yeah. You got to repent. You still got to repent. You were annoyed or anxious. How many of you been in a line and you know you're supposed to be somewhere in 15 minutes and the line is 20 minutes long? Huh? That causes anxiety. Well, you can't be that way. Love is patient. Okay. Love is kind, having or showing a friendly, generous, and considerate nature. Love never is envious. Desire to have a quality, possession, or other desirable attributes, attributes belonging to someone else. Oh man, I'll tell you what, you know, God God can get all over that one if you if you want somebody else's attributes in serving God. I mean, I had that I had that happen. There was another lady that was I mean, she just would see things in the spirit realm like a TV. I've told this story before. Oh Lord, I know I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that. And so I started becoming anxious and jealous about the way she was functioning and, and the Lord dealt with me on that's what she's called to do. You work on what you're called to do. You don't look over here and try to copy this. God won't have it anyway. He won't have it. You won't go anywhere if you're trying to do somebody else's calling or you're trying to act like somebody else. He won't have it. You just won't go anywhere. You'll sit there until you figure it out. Does that make sense? You will. You'll sit right there in that position until you figure it out that you're not to copy somebody else's ministry or do that. Okay. Okay, uh, love is never envious. 
uh, desire to have equality. Okay, love never boils over with jealousy, feeling or showing envy uh, or of someone or their achievements and advantages. Love is not boastful, showing excessive pride and self-satisfaction. Love is not vainglorious, excessively proud of oneself or one's achievements. Love does not display itself haughtily, arrogant or superior. Love is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. Love is not rude, offensively impolite and ill-mannered, having a startling abruptness. Love does not act unbecomingly of a person's attitude or behavior, not fitting or appropriately, unseemingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. Love is not self-seeking, having concern for one's own welfare and interest before those of others. You know that Jesus dying on the cross was a, is an excellent example of that. He was more interested in all welfare than his. Amen? That was love manifested. Love is not touchy, oversensitive, and irritable. Love is not fretful, feeling or expressing distrust or irritation. Love is not resentful, feeling or expressing bitterness or indignation at having been treated unfairly. Love takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Love does not rejoice at injustice, lack of fairness or justice. You understand that one? Everybody understand that one? You know, you know. Let's say somebody's somebody is um, finally getting theirs. <laughs> you know, like you know, we got. Oh, I better not go there. Um, um, you know. Anyway, we don't want to rejoice in injustice, except, but we want to pray for those people. Okay, love does not rejoice at unrighteousness. That's not righteousness. Wicked. Love rejoices when right and truth prevail. That's when we want to rejoice. Love bears up to sum, summon up courage, resolution, strength under anything and everything that comes. Love is never ready to believe the best of every person. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Love's hopes are fadeless. They grow faint, lose strength, especially after promise under all circumstances. Love endures, remains in existence, lasts everything without weakening. Love never fails. Love never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Love never fails. Walking in love never fails. Amen? Walking in love never fails. So God's good. Um, he's made a, he's made a, he's, he is love. And he paid a price by sending his son. And his son paid a price. And they all were walking in love. They were all demonstrating love. And so that's our example to follow, and that's what we're supposed to be doing is demonstrating the, the love that uh, is shed abroad in our hearts. Amen? Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for your word today that is alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you, Father, that your word does not return void, but it acts like a rotor-rooter today, Father, causing uh, the truth to be reminded to them over and over and over the need to walk in love. We just thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for that spirit of unity coming because love unifies. Love doesn't separate, but it unifies. So I thank you, Father, for your love and, and uh, that's shed abroad in their heart. We put a demand upon the love to manifest in Jesus' name, to come forth in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Okay, I was reminded of something I didn't. 
I talked about the love of God being shed abroad in our heart. You choose to yield. I yield to love. I yield to love. I yield to peace. You choose to do that because the fruit of the spirit are already resident. So your spirit man is choosing. You're choosing with your will to allow your spirit man to yield to yield to love. You got that? See, see, the mind, everything that we've been programmed, it wants to tell us, oh, you're, um, nobody's ever loved you. You're never worth loving. You know, that's that, those kind of thoughts that we grew up hearing, or you're no, you're no good. You've never been worth anything. I mean, all those kind of thoughts that we've heard, does that line up with the Word of God? No. So when it doesn't, when a thought comes, it doesn't line up with the Word of God. What are we supposed to do? Do it? No. We get out of here in Jesus' name. Get out of here. I'm not thinking that. I repent for thinking that way. Get out of here. Sometimes we we have those thoughts. Sometimes the enemy's provoking us. So so you you discern. But basically, our will is involved. Our will is involved because it chooses what to think on. And it chooses to yield to, the spirit man chooses to yield to love or peace or joy or whatever you need in your life. Amen.